You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 124 of Girl Speak Why Museums Need Girlhood. I'm Tiffany Rhodes, Program Developer with Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. Girl Museum explores the art, history, and culture of girls around the world in the past and present. All of our programs are volunteer-run and supported by listeners like you. Special thanks to our sisterhood patrons, Angela Mills, Christina Sousa Martinez, Elizabeth Dillenberg, Erica Holt, Frances Helt, Hilary Rose, Mary Celeste Kearney, Michelle Taylor Bucock, and Sophie. Visit us on the web at www.girlmuseum.org. Why do museums need girlhood? I think we need girlhood in museums because females are 51% of the population. And even though many people might know what girls can achieve and have achieved in the past, some might be surprised to learn what has been going on in the background while they weren't looking. Museums need girlhood because there are so many inspirational girls, past and present, whose accomplishments deserve to be recognised and their stories deserve to be shared with the world. Neglecting girlhood in museums will encourage a future where the achievements of girls are overlooked and will hinder progress in achieving equal rights. Museums need girlhood because, without it, most stories that they're trying to tell would be incomplete. Understanding girlhood historically gives us clues as to why we do the things we do today. When visitors do not hear girls' voices or even read their names, this devalues the experiences of girls of the past. But more importantly, it sends a strong signal to girls of the present that their achievements and contributions to society are not valued or even recognized. This practice of neglecting girls' history has to change institutionally as well as on the ground so we can start reflecting a more holistic view of the human experience going forward. This is the basis of the Girl Museum mission, to search for those stories ourselves, as well as encourage individuals, families, and communities, as well as museums, to do the same. Any chance of a future equality depends on this basic human respect that is not afforded equally to all today. Why do museums need girlhood? Personally, my answer to why museums need girlhood starts in our 100th episode. In that episode, I issued our own statement of revolution. We must include girls. We must embrace their diverse experiences and equitably represent them in every cultural and historical narrative. Their voices, however small, are important. They provide us with views of the world and its history that no other person can give us. As we saw in the exhibition Ancient Girls, the experiences of girls in society have always been diverse. Some were empowered, others marginalized or even victimized. In the Indus Valley, girls decorated their bodies in as many ways as modern girls do today. And based on the numerous ceramic figures of girls found by archeologists and genetic studies of human remains, 
we are beginning to think that the Indus Valley civilization was matrilocal, where married couples resided near the wife's parents and formed large clan-like families centered on the female line. Yet during the same period of time, Greek girls were groomed only to be wives and mothers, learning domestic skills and being strictly controlled by their fathers and husbands. Girls had no choice in who they married, and in some cases, could not even leave the house without a chaperone. These experiences are not part of some mythical past. They continue to happen today, all over the world. In 52 Objects, our last entry showcased an ankle bracelet, very similar to bangles worn by girls around the world for fun. Yet, this ankle bracelet, a simple gold band, harbors a tale of modern struggle. It was worn by a young girl slave in Niger, who was eventually interviewed by Anti-Slavery International. She was likely sold into slavery by the time she was just nine years old, or made a child bride, being forced into a life of sexual and domestic slavery. For as little as 300 US dollars, less than the price of an iPhone, her life was no longer her own. She was destined to sleep on a straw mattress, work hard every day, never leave her home, and likely forced into sexual relations with her owners. Girl stories are everywhere. They are positive and negative, serving as mirrors into our own beliefs and ways of defining girls and girlhood. By telling their stories, all of their stories, we finally bring to light the issue most pressing in the world, equality. Key to bringing about equality is looking not at the sum of a life, but at the start of it. What happens in our youth that forms who we are and what our societies become? Why do we ignore the most formative period of life, only to herald the achievements of those who have overcome the odds? Why are there odds in the first place? The stories of girls hold the answers. Personally, I, and many people that I know, want to hear the stories of girls. Stories that place them back into the world history narrative and help us combat the perception that history and society is all about the men and the women who overcome or are unique to dominant male narratives. Now, women's museums do try to do this, but by ignoring the girlhood experience, we're ignoring a vast part of history. Because for most of history, women married and died well before the age of 30. Personally, I needed Girl Museum and this podcast decades ago. I needed to hear the stories of girls my own age, both in history and the modern world. I needed it because all of my perceptions of what I should be, especially when I hit the confusing world of adolescence, were based on the media, on what I saw in movies and television, on perceptions of what I would become as a woman rather than what I was as a girl. How different would my life be if I had known that the first person to discover an ichthyosaur was 12-year-old Mary Anning? That at 12 years old, I could discover a dinosaur? Where is that story in a museum or historic site? My love for history started, fortunately, with a girl. During a trip to Colonial Williamsburg, as a preteen, I picked up the book A Haunting in Williamsburg. It's about a girl who moves into a house in Colonial Williamsburg, where her aunt is a costume interpreter and discovers a family diary from before the American Revolution. As she begins to read it, the ghost of a young girl appears to her, and through the course of the book, she must figure out how to help this ghost and solve a centuries-old mystery. It captivated me, not just for ghosts or drama, but for how it made the colonial period come alive. 
how it made me believe that the stories we don't hear in textbooks, the ones buried in girls' diaries and letters, might be more fascinating than I ever suspected. Now, as a professional public historian, I can say with certainty that girls' stories reveal far more than I ever expected. In writing our forthcoming book, Ashley and I discovered objects and historic sites related to girls across America. As part of our Sites of Girlhood project, we expanded this research with our team to be global and have, to date, found over 200 sites, memorials, and monuments dedicated to girls around the world. These girls, before the age of 21, made an impact, were witness to profound historical moments, or have stories that help define themselves and their cultures. Each one is unique, and yet they are all bound by the proof that girls and girlhood are important areas of study and interpretation. So this month, I want to issue a challenge to museums everywhere. Find one girl, two girls, three girls in your collections and tell their stories. They are standing right in front of you in statuary and objects and paintings and textiles. They are makers, creators, dreamers, doers. They have witnessed and made history in so many unique and fascinating ways. In the Metropolitan Museum of Art, there is a statue of Hatshepsut, who likely became pharaoh before reaching the age of 21, and exemplifies the many royal Egyptian girls who held power politically, spiritually, or both. There are also textiles woven by young girls, including a special category of textiles called white work, often stitched by girls and young women to show their support for the boycott of British goods and the cause of American independence, both during and after the American Revolution. There is Marie Antoinette's bedchamber, which bore witness to a girl becoming queen before she was 18 years old and how her youth would change the course of a nation's history. So many stories. In every museum I visit, I find more stories, more girls, more secrets. So this month, museums, it's up to you. Find the girls. Tell their stories. Girl Museum is more than willing to help. But ultimately, we rely on you to not only embrace the challenge this month, but to discover how that challenge can open entirely new doors to the stories we tell, the way we tell them, and the people whose lives we touch. Happy museum searching. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next podcast as we discuss the history of girls in the White House. Finally, please help to support future production of Girl Speak by visiting us at www.girlmuseum.org and clicking donate. Thank you and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.